0: So, Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 13. And we kind of pick up at the end of an argument, a discussion that Paul's having. So, we're kind of eavesdropping at the beginning. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. For each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures, and the encouragement the scriptures provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind, one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed. And moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, I will sing the praises of your name. And again, Scripture says, rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations, and in him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What is your hope for 2019? As we count down the days, the hours, the minutes, the seconds, to the ticking over from 2018 to 2019, we get a little nostalgic as we bring a year to a close. Reflecting back over the past year what has brought us, where it has taken us, and how we have changed or grown through the last 12 months. So as we wait to finish the countdown from 10 down to 1, to that big ball drop, we wonder what the next year might bring. Because it's all future. It's all yet to be. It's all unknown. And that can be exciting, it can be thrilling, it can also be worrying and a little scary. In our busy lives, we, we move quickly, don't we? We move from one thing to another, from one experience to another, from one event to another, from one major life experience to another. And we, it just goes by in a blur. And, and we can get lost in the details of our own lives. And so this time of year this turning over of a calendar year, it provides an opportunity to just stop for a second, maybe 10 during the countdown, and think about what has been and what may be. To think about what we hope for the coming year, for ourselves, for our family, for our community, For our church. What is your hope for 2019? Maybe you're the kind of person who already has a bullet journal entry made out with New Year's resolutions. With hopes and dreams for the coming year and maybe with a very long to-do list of things you want to accomplish. Things you want to change. Things you want to do a list that can be like, I want to read 10 books this year. I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to quit smoking, finally. I want to stop working so much and spend more time with my kids before they get much bigger. I want to finally take that vacation that I've only dreamed about. I want to get a job that lets me not live from paycheck to paycheck. I want to make a new friend. I want to learn how to paint. I want to finally get that tattoo. Whatever your list may be. At the close of the year, the beginning of a new one, we become a bundle of expectation, of hopes, dreams, wants, all premised on the idea that this year will be different. This year, I'll stick to my list. This year, I will fill in the blank with your particular desire. Into this hopeful anticipation, this jumble of dreams, this turning of the year, Paul brings us a word of hope, a word of welcome, and a word of blessing. Our our portion of scripture here in Romans 15, we kind of just drop into the letter to the Romans, and the letter to the Romans is a rich, thick, dense letter (laughs) where Paul covers so much theological ground that we're only just eavesdropping on the very end of. Paul tackles God's grace and his promises. He tackles Israel and the church. He, he tackles a bunch of petty church conflicts, and then he also tackles deeper concerns surrounding suffering and faith. We join him here at the end of his letter. Paul is just wrapping up a longer discussion on on how we live together as followers of Jesus Christ despite our differences. And the church in Rome apparently had a lot of differences. They disagreed about how to worship, when to worship, what to eat and how to eat it, what was off-limits for Christians and what was on-limits for Christians. And the Roman church was a bit of a mixed bag of Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor, low class and high class, women and men, young and old. And believe it or not, they all had an opinion about how each other should live their lives. And even back then, church members loved to police each other rather than move towards grace first. And each faction in this particular congregation was looking to Paul to back them up, to join them pointing fingers at the other groups, saying, hey, Paul, we're right, right? They're wrong. And Paul wades in to their differences. And for most of them, he dismisses them as superficial differences debates about holy days and clean or unclean food. He pivots then from those differences into what they have in common as followers of Jesus. Hope. Which can sound a bit like a record screeching to a halt because it doesn't really follow from the argument that he's been building. I mean, what does hope have to do with the Roman Christians' bickering? Why does he go to hope? You can imagine, because a letter like this would have been read out loud when the congregation received it much like we do now. You read the word of God to the gathered people of God. And you can imagine them getting to this point. They're getting ready to have Paul tell them who is right and who is wrong. And Paul points them to hope. And and you can imagine them having a bit of a petulant outrage. Hope, Paul? Come on, what are you talking about? Who's right? Just tell us. Because they wanted to know who was in and who was out. Mainly they wanted to know that they were in and everyone who disagreed with them was out. They wanted to know who was morally upright and who was morally suspect. Because they had a pretty good idea of who those two groups were. Paul, that wily apostle of God, looking at their finger-pointing, their wall-building... Their desire to sort who's in and who's out reminded them that most of them all started out as outsiders. That in the grand scheme of God's salvation, if they were a Gentile, which a lot of them were, they were on the outside. A dividing wall of law and covenant had kept them from God. They knew what it was like to be outsiders. And as soon as they got in, they wanted to close the gates and put the walls up. But God had thrown the doors open and welcomed them in, had accepted them. Through Jesus, God's promises were for them now. They shared in the hope that God's promises, that God's future, that God's love, that God's grace, now included them too. So Paul brings them back around to their bickering. And he tells them, accept one another, welcome one another, Just as Christ welcomed you, accepted you. And all of this is to bring praise to God. By belonging to God in Jesus Christ, you belong to each other too. Which means, as Paul states, that the strong ones among you had better not gloat about it but you'd better get in there and support the weaker ones among you. Encourage each other. Don't rip each other down. But belong to one another. Care for one another. Which is why he says in that blessing, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement, because we need that to live with each other, give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. Remember you are an outsider. Remember you are welcomed in. And do likewise. Be of one mind, one voice, so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. As you have been welcomed by God, with wide open arms into God's hope, into his promises, into his grace, welcome one another. No walls, no differences can overcome that welcome. At the close of this rich and dense and complex letter, Paul points the Roman Christians to their shared hope in Jesus. a hope that grounds them in something deeper than their differences. A hope that ties them together as a family of God. A hope rooted in the promises of God and not the circumstances around them. A hope built on the bedrock of assurance that they belong, that they belong to God no longer outsiders, but that they belong body and soul, in life and in death, to the God who welcomes them in. And that becomes Paul's blessing at the end of this letter, his prayer for this bickering church in Rome. May this God of hope, Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He ends with a word of blessing. A word of welcome. A word of hope. I know that for many of you, this past year has been rough. And the best thing about 2019 is that it is not 2018. You want nothing more than to see 2018 in the rearview mirror. But as we approach the turning of the year, this fresh start we can carry with us the fear that nothing is going to change. Thinking about our own hopes for 2019 after coming out of a rough 2018 can leave us feeling a little cynical and empty. It can leave us feeling far away from hopeful about what's possible, about what lays ahead. One of the debilitating aspects of depression or anxiety is the loss of hope. A lost sense of future. Of any kind of sense or trust or confidence that things will change for you. That tomorrow will look no different than today that next week will not look any different from yesterday, and that nothing will change. And a big contributing factor to that deepening experience of depression, anxiety, that loss of hope, that debilitating loss of hope, is the feeling of being all alone in it. That you are on your own. And that nothing will change. And that you're trapped. I do not know what 2019 holds for us. I don't know what it will bring into your life, I don't know what it will bring into my life. I don't know what it will bring into our life as a church. I don't know what news is going to fill our bulletins and our congregational prayers going forward. I don't know what your dreams are for 2019. I don't know what your fears are for 2019. But I do know... I do know that you are not alone in it. The church can be a place of bickering of petty differences of finger pointing, of trying to figure out who's morally upright, who's morally suspect and because not much has changed since Paul wrote his letter to the Romans because Spoiler alert, we haven't changed that much as humans. We carry this stuff with us. Whether we're first century Roman Christians or 21st century North American Christians. But the church is also the place where the strong and the weak come together in a shared hope. Where scripture is read and explored for encouragement on our journeys of faith. Where we enter into worship, to praise our Lord, maker of heaven and earth. And where we may be a mixed bag of young and old, of rich and poor, of outsider and insider, but we are the welcomed ones of God. church is this place too. Kayla and Sydney, I don't know where in the church you went, but this is the weird and beautiful and broken and hope-filled family of God that you have just made vows to join and to stick with and to be with and to learn from and to do this crazy life of faith with. And wherever God leads you on your journey, I need you both to know that you do not go alone. The God who claimed you in baptism, who welcomed you in as daughters, this God goes with you. And we do too. May you always find a welcoming home in not only this church here in Kitchener, but wherever God calls you in the years ahead. And may you also welcome others, accepting them, just as Christ has accepted you. And for all of us, as we turn toward 2019, as we carry our fears and our dreams into a new year. Remember and trust that you do not go it alone, that whatever this year ahead may bring you, our God of hope who claimed you in baptism too, who welcomes you as sons and daughters, goes with you. May you find encouragement and strength not only from the witness of God's people in Scripture, but also from the witness of God's people here in this place, in your own home, in your communities, in this congregation at large. Paul ends his letter with a blessing, so I will too. Sydney and Kayla, all of those welcomed and loved by God, our Father, and Jesus Christ, our Lord, may our God of hope fill you with all joy, with all peace, as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please join me in prayer. Our God of hope. We come before you this morning, your people, your daughters and sons and each of us comes from a different place some of us are brimming with hope for the coming year some of us are brimming with a strong sense of faith in you as our source of hope and there are others of us gathered here who who've lost that sense of the hope you promise who sit in these pews a little more hopeless than hopeful. And so we ask, as we think about the coming year, as we learn to trust you more, or struggle with trusting you, that your Holy Spirit gives gives us the gift of hope through your word, through your people, through your grace in the name of Jesus, the source of our hope that we pray. Amen.